And the Emmy goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Nomadland. Schitt's Creek. Coda. The Crown. Olivia Colman. Ted Lasso. Parasite. Succession. Pong Joon-ho. Regina King. Annie Murphy. J.K. Simmons. Brett Goldstein. Anthony Hopkins. Peter Dinklage. Jodie Comer. Julia Garner. Frances McDormand. Brian Cranston. Mad Max Fury. La La Land. Coming up, a brand new format for the Film and Food podcast called Awards Bites, where we talk all things Oscars and Emmys. This episode, a 2022-23 Oscars preview. Welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, and thank you so much for joining us for this brand new format. I'm really excited to launch this format called Awards Bites, which is where I talk about my nerdiness and love of all things awards in terms of TV and movies. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I talk about the Oscars a lot, and I filmed a reaction to the Oscar nominations for last season. And so this is a chance a dedicated format of the show for me to talk about all things award season. So whether you're an award season junkie like me, you're interested in learning more, then this is a podcast for you. Planning on getting other guests to come along and lend their expert insight into the award season. And this also will have a foodie twist as we move along. But this is our very first episode where we're going to talk about the Oscars. It's August, the four festivals are about to happen, and it's a really good time to talk about how the season is shaping up, what storylines to look forward to, and what might happen in this Oscar season and all of the great movies that we can expect. But before we dive into all of that, I want to say a quick welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. We celebrate all things culinary and cinematic in film, so if you're a foodie or a cinephile or both, like me, this is the podcast for you. We do all sorts of different episodes, including film and food reviews, where we review a film or television show based on its culinary and cinematic qualities. We do fantasy film and food drafts, where we play a draft-style game, creating our ultimate food experiences from different directors' filmographies or movie universes. We have triple threat episodes, the Tony Frogmouth bonus episodes, as well as this new format, Awards Bites. So there's lots for you to enjoy. Make sure you go check out our other episodes. Subscribe to us on social media and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. And as always, thank you so much for your support. So let's talk about the Oscars. Of course, this is still early in the season, but we're far enough along in the season now that we know what is playing at each film festival. We know what's playing at the Toronto International Film Festival or TIFF. We know it's playing at Telluride. We know it is playing at Venice. And we know mostly what is playing at the New York Film Festival. And while not every film at these festivals is going to be a smash hit, we understand what each studio is doing and where their expectations and money is lying in terms of what they're promoting, what they're getting into different festivals, and what the season may be looking like as we move along. So 
It's very exciting. Uh, this is a great time of the award season because everything is still to be seen. Of course, we're going to talk about some contenders that have already been released, but actually most of the big awards contenders, they still seem all shiny and new and exciting. Uh, it's when we get further into the award season where everything is seen and discourse starts rising up and uh, arguments start happening that it gets a little bit more treacherous. But for now, Everybody's really excited to see what this award season holds. So the way that I'm going to do this episode is I'm going to talk about a bunch of the big movies and contenders and talk a little bit about them and who the directors are, stars are, all that kind of thing. And I also want to talk about some promising storylines. So what are some big storylines that might come out of this season? Because as you know, in the Academy Awards, they're all about narratives and storylines, and there's always so many to look forward to each year. So, as we talk about those things, lots of things will come up along the way, and this will be a good thing to listen to in a few more months as we start to really see the nominations and awards season shaping out. So, let's get into it. So, first of all, let's talk about some already released Oscar contenders. So the first one I want to talk about is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the phenomenon, it's the juggernaut of the season so far, um, just in terms of popularity. It has grossed over $100 million. It has broken the A24 most grossing movie of their catalogue. It is an utter sensation and so far um, I don't know if you are an Oscars fan and you follow along with Gold Derby but if you don't you need to if you're an Oscars fan you need to be on Gold Derby. Gold Derby they let you start making predictions very early in the season and it's very interesting to see what the experts and what the users are predicting in each of the categories and so on Gold Derby everything everywhere all at once I think has most categories locked up in terms of director and picture and Screenplay, as well as Michelle Yeoh in Lead Actress, Ki-Hu Kwan in Supporting Actor, and Stephanie Su in Supporting Actress. Now, will this momentum stay on? We have to wait and see. We've seen contenders do this before, like the Grand Budapest Hotel, which was an early season release. Even Mad Max Fury Road was an early season release in May. Get Out is another great example of a very early in this season movie that maintained its momentum all the way to the end um, as well as coda last year really it didn't have as late of a release but started at sundance and was released kind of halfway through the year and really built momentum as the season went along so it's definitely not impossible but this is one to watch out for watch out for it in categories like editing i think it has a really good shot of winning there and i think it also has a really good shot of winning in original screenplay a big day for everything would be getting all of the categories, uh, like director, picture, screenplay, editing, and maybe Ki-Hu Kwang and Michelle Yeoh. I don't know if they'll get Stephanie Zhu, but that would be a big day if they got all of those things. And I'm really rooting for it. So everything, everywhere, all at once. The question is, will it maintain its momentum? The next already released contender is, of course, Top Gun Maverick, which has become, I think it's the sixth or fifth highest grossing movie of all time, which is insane. And... There's a lot of buzz about maybe this slipping into Best Picture. I am still a bit dubious on it, uh, as again, it's an early season release, but there is a lot of love for this project. Of course, being something that's grossed so much money, and I know that some Academy members really 
want their awards to seem more mainstream and appealing to the masses in terms of who is watching. So keep an eye out for Top Gun Maverick. I think it has a shot in editing. I think it has a shot in the sound categories. And I think it has a shot in best picture. I don't know. It's it's not going to get any actors. It's not going to get probably anything else technicality wise. So it would really be like a Nightmare Alley or maybe the ninth or tenth slot in the best picture in that it gets a couple of nominees, maybe in the technical categories, and then it gets best picture. So keep an eye out for that one. I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, I know, but I would love to see it. And it would be cool to get into best picture because I've seen the trailers and some of that imagery looks absolutely incredible. So that's Top Gun Maverick. There's also Elvis. Now Elvis is the new Baz Luhrmann film. He has a shaky track record with the Academy. He does well in the crafts. Not always as well uh, in the big categories. He actually hasn't been nominated for Best Director before. But his film's been nominated for Best Picture a couple of times. And I don't think this film is going to get Best Picture. It's got this sort of interesting reputation with critics. It's very mixed. Some people like its over-the-top, kind of almost campy style. Others don't. Uh, The big person to watch from this is Austin Butler. His performance has been universally praised. And really has a shot of being a nominee. I think he's better than some of the other biopic nominees we've had in the past, and I would love for him to get in. So there's that. There's course, there's also Catherine Martin, who who did the production design and costumes, has won many Oscars. So look for her to get into those categories as well. And I think that's about it for Elvis. All right, a few other already released contenders are the film The Batman. This is directed by Matt Reeves and stars... Rob Pattinson, of course, as Batman. Standalone movie. Um, I don't think it's going to do anything too crazy, but it definitely has a chance to get in for Best Cinematography, considering Greg Frazier just won an Oscar for Dune. And it also potentially has a chance to get in sound or maybe visual effects. I wouldn't expect anything much else from the Batman this Oscar season, considering it has come out so early in the year. Also, Turning Red, Pixar's movie, is a high chance to get nominated for Best Animated Feature. Fortunately, I think light years, critical reception, and box office failure means I I would find it very surprising if it got nominated for Best Animated Feature. We have all of the Marvel movies that have been released so far, including including Thor, Love and Thunder, and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. One of them will get in for visual effects. I don't think anything else will happen with those movies. And I think that about wraps up all of the early, already released Oscar contenders. Okay, let's talk about some of the big contenders for Best Picture, some of the big movies that are coming out this year. So, the first one is Babylon by Damien Chazelle. Now, this is a big project. It is probably still in the works because it's avoided all the four film festivals, and I wonder if Damien Chazelle has done that on purpose because his films like La La Land and First Man went to festivals and actually lost a lot of steam in the awards race due to being maybe overhyped in in the mind. I didn't think it was overhyped, but in the minds of the average moviegoer who hears all of this buzz and then goes and see it, they may find themselves a bit disappointed and maybe he's trying for a different release strategy. And so this is a big movie, got Margot Robbie and it's got Brad Pitt and it's got Gene Smart and a number of other people and it's set in sort of this 1920s silent, the transition from silent movies to talking movies. You can expect 
all of the crafts. Uh, it's got Lana Sangren, it's got Justin Hurwitz, uh, Sangren doing the cinematography and Hurwitz doing the music. It's got his usual editing team, Tom Cross, uh, who is an Oscar winner. You can expect all of those things. You can expect Chazelle to be a contender for. Uh, you can expect Chazelle to be a contender for Bab- uh, for director, and for picture, and this is going to be a big, 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 big movie to look out for. So keep an eye out on Babylon. Next one I want to talk about quickly is Triangle of Sadness. Of course, I have seen this one already at a film festival. It hasn't been widely released yet. Just dropped a trailer. And this is going to be at most of the fall film festivals. It, of course, won the Palm Door. Will it match the Oscar success of something like Parasite? Or will it be like Neon's other Palm Door winner, Tatan, and get completely shut out from the Oscars? Or will it be somewhere in the middle? I think it will be somewhere in the middle. I think it has a good shot of getting Best Picture just for its entertainment value. I would love Dolly DeLeon to make it into the supporting actress race. She is the best thing about the movie and gives my favorite performance of the year so far. So I would love her to make it in. I think it has a good chance of getting original screenplay and maybe a good chance of getting Oslin into director if they really love it that much. So in terms of crafts, I don't know how much it will get into the craft category. So it's really going to be maybe three or four or five nominations in those sort of top categories if it does that well. But it has a chance of really not doing that well and maybe just getting screenplay at the end of the day. Then we have Park Chan-wook's decision to leave, which has just been named South Korea's submission for international feature. So it's definitely going to be a contender in the international feature category at the Oscars. But there was good reviews for this coming out of the festivals and there's a chance to get Park Chan-wook into director, maybe into the screenplay categories. Um, I don't know if it's going to make it into picture just based off the reviews, but Park Chan-wook, he is an amazing filmmaker. I haven't seen much of his work, but I'm really excited to check this one out if it comes around to Australia. So I'm not sure about how it will go at the Oscars, but it is there as well. You also have Broker, which is the next film by Hirozako Koreeda, who did the film Shoplifters, which was nominated for International Feature in 2018. And he has Song Kang-ho as the lead in his film, who actually won Best Actor at Cannes. And this film is sort of seen as the highlights, the hits of Hirozako Koreedo. I'm not sure how well it will do at the Oscars. Maybe it will make International Feature, but I'm not sure if it will make anything more than that. It might be a chance for Song Kang-ho, but that lead actor race is looking pretty tight already. So not sure what to expect for Broker. Then you have Women Talking, directed by Sarah Polly, who was Oscar nominated for her 2005 film Away From Her, as well as getting Julie Christie a Best Actress nomination. So she's one to watch out for. This has a really great cast, including Jesse Buckley, Rooney Mara, Ben Whishaw, Claire Foy, Frances McDormand, And it's based on a book about a group of women in an isolated religious colony as they struggle to reconcile their faith with a string of sexual assaults committed by the colony's men. So it's definitely a Oscar subject right there and depends on how well the film is executed in terms of being cinematic. But a film like Spotlight is a good example of a Oscar success in more of this dialogue heavy story. So we'll see how Women Talking goes. The word is is that the festivals were fighting over this movie to see which festival it premiered at. So I'm definitely curious to see what happens with women talking. 
Then you have She Said, which is directed by Maria Schrader. This stars Tom Pelfrey, Carrie Mulligan, Samantha Morton, Zoe Kazan, Patricia Clarkson, Andre Brewer. Now, this movie is about the New York Times investigation into Harvey Weinstein. Again, a very full-on Oscar subject, but wondering, in the wake of the Me Too movement, I'm wondering how much of the older Academy will find this too sort of close to home for them, considering a lot of the industry did support Harvey Weinstein at the time. And the trailer is released with a bit of a thud, but we haven't seen it yet, so we're not sure what the Oscar success will be. Maybe it will get a couple of actress or actor nominees. We will see. Then you're probably wondering why I haven't mentioned this already. We have Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, and this is a personal story. It's about his life growing up. Um, it's got Seth Rogen, Paul Dano, Michelle Williams, and Julia Butters. And I'm really excited to see Julia Butters again. She was amazing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so... Cool to see her in another prestigious project. And of course, this is going to be huge. Uh, Steven Spielberg rarely misses with his films in the 2010s, rarely misses at all. He's just coming off a Best Director and Best Picture nomination for West Side Story. So the Academy still clearly loves him, and they may really go hard for this autobiographical film. Has a chance to get in all the technical categories because it's his usual team, and this has a chance to win Michelle Williams and Oscar, but we'll talk more about that in a second. But without a doubt, this will be a huge player. Then we have Bardo. This is the new film from Alejandro González Iñárritu, who of course won Best Director back-to-back in 2014 and 15 for Birdman and The Revenant, and of course Birdman won Best Picture in 2014. Now, this film is a long time coming. It's again, more of a personal story for him. He's going back to his Mexican language roots. And this film, I haven't heard it talked about much since, but there was a lot of controversy about how this film, uh, Alejandro González Iñárritu, broke some COVID rules. There was people dying on set. Uh, didn't seem like a very safe COVID, safe production. And so... The movie is done, however, and you can't deny that he has incredible success with the Academy recently, and this will be Netflix's big push, I imagine. It's already at a few festivals, and we will see how much the Academy goes for it. He often gets lots of actors into the Academy Awards. He often gets Best Director and some of the technical categories, so we'll see how we go. Bardo is one to watch out for. Then we have The Sun. This is directed by Florian Zeller, who of course did The Father back in 2020, which won Anthony Hopkins, a Best Actor Oscar. He won Best Adapted Screenplay, and probably this was the runner-up to Best Picture that year. The Father was an absolutely incredible movie and made my top 10. I adored it, and I'm so, so excited to see what he does next. This has no relation to the film The Father. This is not a sequel or another story based on that. It's based off one of his plays he's written. It's got Laura Dern, Hugh Jackman, Vanessa Kirby, Anthony Hopkins, Will Hope, and Zen McGrath. Now, Zen McGrath is going to be a bit of a breakout, I think, because from the people who in who have watched the play, they say that the father, played by Hugh Jackman, and the son, played by Zen McGrath, are the two big performances in the movie. So this is one to definitely watch out for. There's a lot of excitement about this film and potential to get Hugh Jackman a Best Actor nomination and even maybe a win. But he'll have competition because of the Darren Aronofsky film, The Whale. We've been waiting for this film for a while. It is a real comeback to the industry for Brendan Fraser. Now, this movie is based on a play, a New York Broadway play about a 
morbidly obese man who is talking to his daughter, sort of going through his life. And there's been a still released already of Brendan Fraser. The daughter is played by Sadie Sink from Stranger Things. And the word is the performances are amazing. Probably Brendan Fraser is on the top of everyone's list for best actor. Darren Aronofsky, this seems more sort of Academy friendly than his last film, which was Mother, which had no way in hell it was going to get touched by the Academy. But still there's questions about the subject matter here. How much will it get through? Maybe it will only get a few key categories like best actor, but it's at the festivals and I'm really looking forward to it. Then we have another recent Oscar successful person, Sam Mendes, who was literally so close to winning best director for 1917, but famously lost in a surprise to Bong Joon-ho. He has a new film coming out called Empire of Light. Now, this stars Olivia Colman and Colin Firth, and the cinematography is done by the legendary Roger Deakins, who, of course, won an Oscar for shooting 1917 for Sam Mendes uh, in that sort of one-take style. And this is, I think, the first Roger Deakins movies since 1917. And, of course... If you have that man shooting your movie, I will be in. The word is, is that Olivia Coleman's performance is one to watch out for, and she is Oscar Catnip at the moment, so she will probably get in. It's about this love story set around a beautiful old cinema on the south coast of England in the 80s. So interesting subject matter, really one to look out for as well. Again, stacked year, we've got The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, which is done by Martin McDonough, who of course had big Oscar success with three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, winning Oscars for Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell. And this is a reuniting of Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell after their movie in Bruges. And based off the trailer, I think this looks beautiful. There's a real good chance Ben Davis gets in for cinematography here. Real good chance he gets in for screenplay. Martin McDonough is loved by the writers of the Academy. And yeah, I don't know how much more it will get than that, unless it's a real raucous kind of entertaining hit that gets into Best Picture. But I'm really excited to see this. I think it's a really, really fun and ominous trailer in a way, and I'm really excited to see what he does with this movie. You then have White Noise, which is the new film by Noah Baumbach, and it is the opening film at the New York Film Festival, and this has got some interesting subject matter on a very hard-to-adapt book. It's got Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig acting for the first time in a while, and I'm really not sure what to make of this film. It's I flippin' loved Marriage Story. It was like my number two film of 2019. And I was amazed by his directorial style in that movie. Anything Adam Driver and Greta Goig are in, I'm watching. So I'm very curious to see how this will go at the festivals and what the reaction will be like. Because I'm really unsure of how well it will go at the Oscars. Adam Driver always has a good chance of getting in. Maybe Greta Gerwig gets a nomination. Maybe screenplay nomination, depending on how well he adapts that book. But it could be too inaccessible for the Academy. We're not sure. So we will see. Okay. Then we have Avatar, The Way of Water, the long, 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 long awaited sequel of Avatar, which of course uh, was nominated for Best Director and Best Picture at the 2009 Oscars and is James Cameron. Now, of course, this movie is going to win visual effects. James Cameron is always revolutionizing the industry and he has these crazy underwater effects, it seems. And so that's going to win there. Whether or not it gets into the other technical categories like production design or cinematography 
or even into director and picture. Uh, I think the technical is more likely. I don't know how well they will receive the movie for a second time in Best Picture and Best Director. It has to be sort of groundbreaking again and, and become a box, a box office sensation, I think. So we will wait and see on that one. In a similar vein, we have Wakanda Forever, which, of course, Black Panther was the first Marvel movie to get nominated for Best Picture. And now we have Wakanda Forever. We have no Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace. And the trailer that came out just rocked my world. It was incredible. The mood they set, the way they honor and almost mourning Chadwick Boseman in the movie. It's uh, Ryan Coogler doesn't miss the production design, which won an Oscar. The cinematography. Uh, the production design, the score, um, and the costumes all sound amazing as always. So they're always going to be threats for Oscars. Uh, and Angela Bassett, she's been nominated once before, way back in like 1992 for What's Love Got to Do with It, uh, 1993, I think. And she has this, like, just this small clip in the trailer that is so emotional and powerful that if she's got more screen time than that, I think she's getting Oscar nominated. She's really, really good. Great. Then we have The Woman King, which stars Viola Davis and is directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. It also stars Lashana Lynch and John Boyega and also Thuzo Mimbedo in a supporting role. Now, Thuzo Mimbedo rocked my world in the Underground Railroad back uh, in 2021. Sorry, got cruelly snubbed for an Emmy but anything she's in, I'm so excited to see what she does next. The trailer for this looks amazing. Viola Davis looks incredible. And I'm really excited to see what this story is. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I don't know what sort of you know what sort of Oscars it will get. Definitely a chance for Viola Davis, even Thuzo and Beto, if she's really, really good. Maybe some technical categories, but yeah, one to really look out for. Another interesting one is Don't Worry Darling. Now, Don't Worry Darling is a new film by Olivia Wilde, and there is a whole lot of speculation going on because, of course, Olivia Wilde started dating Harry Styles, her star of this movie, during the filming. There seems to be a lot of beef between her and Florence Pugh, as there's rumors that Florence Pugh had to kind of step in and do some of the sort of management of that, maybe some of the directing. Now, it's fairly unsubstantiated rumors, but, you know, there hasn't been much marketing from Florence Pugh herself. The film, however, Olivia Wilde's Booksmart did very well critically and at a few awards, but it didn't actually make it into the Oscars. So maybe don't maybe don't worry, darling, gets in for screenplay. I don't, you know, Florence Pugh has been nominated before. Maybe she gets in, but I don't see that being a huge Oscar player. And the last movie I want to talk about is Till, which stars Daniel Deadweiler and Frankie Faison, and Hayley Bennett, and Jalen Hall. It's directed by Chinonye Chukwu, and it is world premiering at New York Film Festival. Daniel Deadweiler is getting a lot of buzz. Of course, it's based on a very, very traumatic event in American history, and uh, there's been a bit of backlash about how relevant this movie really is, needed to be in the awards season, but there's definitely one to watch out for, uh, for a surprise in the race. Okay, that was a lot of movies and there's still a lot more out there because we're going to talk about some storylines to look out for. Now, I've sort of hinted at a few of them, but what are the big narratives? What are the big storylines? What are we going to get surprised by 
what are the big things to look out for in this Oscar season? Well, the first one I want to talk about is, will Netflix finally win Best Picture? It has been almost every year since Netflix has really started campaigning. Roma, famously, was on track to win, lost to Green Book. The Irishman was completely snubbed at the Oscars, had 10 nominees, didn't win anything. Marriage Story couldn't do it. Netflix didn't win Best Picture in 2019. In 2020, didn't really have a contender. We kind of skipped that year, but then in 2021, it had The Power of the Dog, which was absolutely killing it until the uprise of Coda. And then Apple TV swoops in and wins for their first year with Coda. A pretty unbelievable chain of events. And Netflix is surely scratching their heads going, what have we got to do to win Best Picture? Look, they've got Bardo. They've got White Noise. They've got Glass Onion, which is the new film by Ryan Johnson, which I didn't mention. So excited for the new sequel to Knives Out. Flippin' love Knives Out. I'm really excited about Glass Onion. Maybe that can get into screenplay. But... Well, I don't know if it will happen this year. So that's always something to look out for. Will Netflix finally win Best Picture? Maybe being under the radar helps them to not sort of get that front-runner fatigue that they always seem to get. Another storyline I want to mention is will everything everywhere all at once maintain its momentum? Will it go all the way through the year and get a good bunch of nominees at the Oscars? Will it get Michelle Yeoh? Will it get ki Kwan? Will it get Stephanie Zhu? Will it get editing? Will it get screenplay? Will it get director? Will it get picture? I really hope it does get all of them, but that's something to really wait and see whether it gets just chewed up in the competition and forgotten about. And I really hope it doesn't, but definitely that one. Another storyline is uh, all about Spielberg's movie. Will he find Oscar success again? Will he win another best picture? Will they give him another best director? And will Michelle Williams win her first Oscar. If she gets nominated here, it will be her fifth nomination. And the word is that the role is incredible. And so right now she's the front runner and I would love to see her win the Oscar. So will she win? We will wait and see. Then the next one is looking at Avatar and Wakanda Forever. We've kind of talked about them. Where will they go at the Oscars? They're both sequels to movies that broke out at the Oscars and we will see how many nominations they get, how well they do box office wise. I'm really curious to see how those movies play into the role. With something like Killers of the Flower Moon not going to dominate the technical categories, maybe uh, these movies both get a good amount of technical nominations, but will they get into picture? Who knows? It's looking like a really interesting cinematography race and Davis and Deacons and Janice Kaminsky for The Fableman. Of course, you've got Greg Fraser, I've already mentioned from The Batman. There's going to be plenty of contenders and a really nice lineup. So will Deacons win a third? Will Ben Davis win his first one? Who knows what will happen there? Another interesting one that I didn't mention too much uh, is Triangle of Sadness. Now, Triangle of Sadness, I mentioned a bit earlier, but... What will the Oscars do with Triangle of Sadness? It's had a bit of a critical divide. Some people think it's too on the nose. I really loved it and adored it and wanted to win awards. But that has the potential of being a really high Oscar nominee or really doing not much at all. Margot Robbie, will this be her first Oscar for Babylon? She's got a meaty role. She's really in the Academy's wheelhouse at the moment and this is probably her career peak. So 
Will she get it? And will Damien Chazelle finally win a Best Picture Oscar? Considering La La Land famously lost to Moonlight, he's won Best Director, but will they give him a Best Picture Oscar? Then, what will the surprise of the season be? What will be the movie that we're not watching out? What will be the Drive My Car? Or what will be the Sound of Metal of this year? What will be the surprising nominee that kind of is so critically loved that it just defies all expectations and defies all campaigning and just gets in for being amazing what will be the disappointment what movie are we really expecting and hyping up that will just not be an oscar player it always happens there's a podcast about it called this had oscar buzz this happens all the time so what will happen with that finally i want to talk about killers of the flower moon this is a new martin scorsese movie and there's all these rumors swelling about that it's been reported on that it's not coming out this year It's definitely not at the festivals, but Apple famously has not confirmed or denied that rumor yet. There has been no word from Apple whether this movie is coming. Scorsese movies famously take ages in in post-production, and it may just swoop in on a Boxing Day release and a technicality and make it into the awards season to try and swoop up everything then. I would love to see it, of course. I love Martin Scorsese, but what is the story with that movie? We will wait and see. Finally, uh, before we wrap up this Oscars preview, I'm always on the lookout for the next film and food movie and all the film and food show or just where the good food is going to come from for the upcoming film and food awards. So just to give you a hint, Triangle of Sadness has some really interesting food scenes in that movie. So that's definitely going to be a contender. But I'm really looking at this film by Mark Malod called The Menu. It's got Ray Fine and Anya Taylor-Joy in it and it's this sort of, seems to be this dark take on a chef with this menu and Anya Taylor-Joy visiting and some things go out of turn. The screenplay is meant to be amazing, could be in contention for the Oscars, but yeah, that looks like a really fun, interesting film and food movie that I've definitely got on my radar. Of course, speaking of film and food, I just want to flag that we're potentially going to have film and TV review of the show The Bear. It's getting released in Australia very soon, and so once I get my chance to watch that and find someone to be a guest on that show, if you're listening and you want a guest on that show, come let me know. But that is one of the most critically acclaimed shows of the season, and it's about this Chicago chef. So I'm really excited about The Bear. But who knows what some of these movies will be, where we'll find the food. Sometimes it comes out of, sometimes it comes unexpectedly. We will wait and see. But for now, I think that's a pretty comprehensive Oscars preview. Really excited for this Awards Bites format. We're going to have continued coverage of the Oscars over this season. Hopefully we get a chance to talk about the Emmys that are about to happen. Yeah. It's a really great chance to get amongst it. We'll do predictions, we'll do nomination reactions, all of the things that you look forward to on an Oscars podcast. So hopefully we get some recipes, we get some retrospectives, we get some category breakdowns. It just all depends on my timing and what I'm interested in, but I'm really excited to keep this podcast going. So yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you give us feedback on what you think about this format and we will continue to improve it and find guests as we go along. And of course, we'll have all the regular main show content, tawny bonus episodes, all of that stuff that is the regular part of the show. And Awards Bites will just slip in nicely into our lineup as we go along with the podcast. 
So I think that's about it for this episode, which is Awards Bites, an Oscar season preview. What did you think of the format? What did you think of the episode? I'm really excited for this format and can't wait to do more with it. Well, if you're a fan of the Film and Food podcast, you really love this podcast and want to tell other people about it. Can I ask you a favor? The best way to do that is to give us a five-star rating or review on your favorite podcasting platform, particularly Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or even both. Thank you to everyone who's done this already. It helps get us into the ears of new listeners who want to listen to our show. So thank you to everyone who has done that again. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. That's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. Chat to us about all things award season, Oscars, Emmys. Let us know about an episode suggestion. Is there a category at the Oscars in any recent year or any year previous in all of Oscars history that you'd like us to cover? What about an Oscars retrospective? Give us all the ideas of the content you want to see or hear, and we will try and endeavor to bring it to you. But yeah, give us an email. Make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's a lot more on there in terms of we can share lots of award season news and updates and questions and all that kind of thing to keep you engaged in award season. So make sure you follow us on there. I've got a new Twitter and Instagram account specifically for Awards Byte. That is at Awards Bytes on Twitter and on Instagram. So make sure you follow that because that will have more award specific stuff rather than just the Film and Food Podcast, which you should also follow. So go follow Film and Food Podcast. Go follow Awards Bites. Thanks so much for listening. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. As always, the most important thing is to join the conversation. So until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening.